You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. guys welcome to another episode of peer pleasure with dewey halpas on jabberjaw media i am dewey your host with the most bringing you more great content week after week and at this point it's been about two weeks so i apologize for that but uh i wanted to bring you this episode i recorded this interview back before the hiatus so it's been a little while but it's a great uh i thought it was a great interview and it was with an awesome guy and uh, from a great band, which uh, I hope is always the case, guy or gal, um, bringing you stuff from great bands and bands I really enjoy. And this one was Mike Scheidt from Yob. And Yob is from Eugene, Oregon, and they're a mighty, mighty huge band. Um, sonically, I mean, they're just a force to be reckoned with. And uh, Mike is a great dude. And uh, we set up the interview and, and had a good chat. We went to some different places than I thought. Uh, we talked a lot about meditation. Uh, we kind of skipped over his health issues because they've been, I mean, let's be honest, they've been very well documented, uh, Rolling Stone uh, all the way down the pipe. Um, and I didn't want to repeat stuff. So if you wanted to look into what we were talking about on the interview um, with Mike, go to Rolling Stone and type in Mike Scheit Yob, and you'll be able to find out all that stuff. Um, pretty crazy story he's got. Um with his health and and uh, kind of a triumphant return, and with that, our raw heart is the new record, and it's just a masterpiece. Um, I've been a fan of Yob for a long time. Uh, I believe it was my buddy Aaron Edge that got me into Yob, who also got me into Isis, which is my favorite band of all time. Um, he was into that style of music before I'd even heard of it, so it was really cool to kind of take that ball and run with it, and it's kind of changed my whole direction on music. So. Uh, big thanks and shout out to Aaron Edge if he's listening. Um, and thanks to Monica uh, at Speakeasy for setting up this interview um, with Mike. So um, 
I really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. I know it's been kind of sporadic here, but there's been a lot going on. So I'm bringing the episodes as often as I can, uh, trying to get to them week after week. But uh, that isn't always the case. But I appreciate all the support and uh, all the emails and everything else. It's been awesome. So i uh, got a lot of people in our corner, and uh, you guys are one of them. So we do have a bunch of new stickers. We have some T-shirts. We've got, I mean, we've got stickers from, uh, I mean, four inch stickers to 12 inch stickers that are, you know, that can take up your whole car window. Uh, I thought it'd be awesome to make some of those and put those up some places. Um, but the new store is peerpleasure.bigcartel.com. And you can find those stickers, t-shirts, all that good stuff on there. Uh, we're going to have a whole bunch of new pictures of those items coming up uh, from the wonderful Samantha from California. So big thanks and shout out to her. She's been doing a bunch of, she's got a vintage shop called Vintage uh, Built to Suit. Um, and you can find that on Instagram as well. Um, but she's going to be handling that stuff. So big thanks to her again. Um, and so yeah, go check it out. Stickers, t-shirts, all sorts of cool stuff for the show. And it definitely helps support the show. So peerpleasure.bigcartel.com. And those stickers were made by the one and only Sticker Ninja. I talk about them all the time on the show. I'm going to be talking about them for a long time because their product is fantastic. They've really helped the show. Um, we've got a really cool deal going on um, with Sticker Ninja. StickerNinjaPDX.com. Uh, Sticker Ninja, or at Sticker Ninja uh, PDX at Instagram. Um, you can find them off our page too on Instagram. Um, but Elena and Justin over at Sticker Ninja, fantastic people. Um, I love working with locals and, uh, they've just been awesome. So really appreciate having them on board. Um, and they've just been great. So all those stickers you see on the site are made by sticker ninja and, uh, definitely check them out. So, uh, without further ado, I want to get into this episode, uh, and get you guys on the road. Um, I know a lot of people are doing some traveling, um, with the holidays. So I want to get this episode out. Um, but so without further ado, check out my episode with Mike Scheidt from Yob. Guys, uh, back at home? Or are you still out and about? No, we're still out. We're in uh, Salt Lake City right now. Oh, okay, killer. Everything's... Salt Lake City, then uh, uh, Boise tomorrow, and then we're officially back home. Excellent, excellent. Are you ready to be home? <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, I mean, it's been a really good run. You know, it's at this, it's at the point of the tour where, you know, it gets a little bittersweet, and you know, but I think we're all, you know, it's our first big run in a while, and so it definitely was a really great run, and and we got some road legs back again, but I think this is a good time to be back home and regroup. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, Mike Scheidt from Yob. Welcome to the Peer Pleasure Podcast. Thank you, man. It's good to have you. I've been a I've been a Yob fan for a really long time, um, and uh, I was introduced to you guys by my buddy uh, Aaron Edge. I don't know if you guys know each other. Um, oh yeah, Aaron. Aaron and I have known each other for a very long time. Oh, awesome. Okay, well, he introduced me to ISIS and to you guys, and uh, completely changed my whole perspective on music and uh he was doing some artwork for us on a record and that's how i met him and then he started i would go over when he was doing the the artwork uh, and we were kind of collaborating on stuff uh he'd have different music playing I'm like man what is this and it was isis and the next time it was yob and and uh so that got me into a whole whole nother realm um so thanks to him for that but uh yeah i've been a fan for a long time and and uh when monica sent me the promo stuff uh for our our, our raw heart um, I was totally stoked. Um, so yeah, appreciate you coming on and, and taking the time. You're very welcome, man. Thank you. But, uh, so, well, where is home for you guys now, Eugene? Um, I'm in Eugene. Aaron's in Portland and Travis is in Albany, which, so, you know, we're all about roughly about, I'm about an hour from Travis and Aaron's about an hour for Travis and we're about two hours away from each other, roughly. Okay. When all of a sudden does. Well, that uh, let's start from the beginning then, man. You grew up in uh, Springfield, right? I did. Okay. And what was what was childhood like for you, man? I, I I'm really curious because I I mean I love what you do artistically, but I'm kind of curious on what kind of brought brought you to that point. Well, I mean, I grew up in a pretty uh, conservative area in Springfield, Oregon, and uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, people that were punk or metal-minded, though at that time in the 80s, punk and metal didn't exactly get along. And I know it sounds maybe asinine to younger listeners when that come into a, a world of, of extreme music that has so many subgenres, and to just talk about punk or metal just seems like the widest brushstroke, but... You know, in the early 80s, that's how it was. And so um, that's still, when I think back to that time, that was kind of, that's kind of my reference point. And uh, um, so it was a difficult place to grow up. Um, had a lot of friction and a lot of trouble just being different and uh, um, got in a lot of fights. And, uh, but, you know, music, you know, punk rock and heavy metal was music of rebellion and, and the people that were making it from elsewhere, you know, their their message and spirit uh, hit my spirit, and uh, I think that's true for a lot of people, and and that definitely uh, informed my direction, no doubt. Okay, and so you had you said you got in a lot of fights. I mean, was this early on, like middle school, high school, or element? I mean, elementary school. Like, when did you start to oh. realize you were different? Well. Elementary school, middle school, high school, all of it, um, for sure. Okay. But especially middle, middle school and high school. 
Okay. And and so you, when did you start to? I mean, how did you find music? Was was it through your parents? Did you have? I mean, I've I, my parents. Okay. Okay. I'm in yeah, Portland, so I don't radio. know Springfield very well, but no, just the radio being on all the time, and it just so happened that FM radio in 1972 kicked ass. Yeah. And so you get everything from Steely Dan to Doobie Brothers, Beatles, Rolling Stones, Janis Joplin, uh, Roberta Flack, um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, There's just so much to love. Joni Mitchell, Van Morrison. And that was what popular music was yeah. at that time. That's a whole other world. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so when did you start? When did you start getting into actually playing music and writing music? I mean, did you did you go straight to guitar, or did you start earlier on a on a different instrument? Um, I had a brush with violin and was not good at it, and and guitar for a second in like fifth grade and just didn't stick with it but later on i had some friends that eventually formed the band called dirt clot fight and they were jamming in a house and i've been to concerts you know and i've seen some bands but i've never seen a band like in a living room playing uh-huh. and they were punk uh, punk minded band and uh it just blew my lid off just watching them play and that's when i realized that i had to do it all right, and then when did you end up getting your your first guitar? Do you remember? Shortly thereafter. Okay. Probably 15, 15 years old. Yeah. And so, were your parents supportive of of music and what you were doing? Did you have like a supportive structure there? Kinda. I mean, they were also really nervous about it because they're both very conservative. And Ozzy Osbourne with blood coming out of his mouth on the you know, the <laughs> speak no evil. <laughs> live album and all the imagery from Iron Maiden and Juice Priest and Dead Kennedys and yeah they were they were pretty creeped out by it and uh, but at the same time um, I think they had a tough time kind of figuring me out and so when something was you know having a positive impact on me I think that you know my mother in particular was you know she took me to a lot of shows and stayed out late and waited for the shows to be done and picked me up and drove me back home and she did that pretty regularly so um, you know I would say that was pretty supportive you know yeah that's amazing I mean in a in a such a conservative environment to I mean a lot of parents of course don't let their kids go to shows let alone you know take them and drop them off I mean that's quite a commitment there if you're going all the time I mean that's that's awesome well that was before cell phones yeah so she just just wait out front yep Oh, geez. Yeah, that's uh, that's very supportive. (laughs) I keep thinking back. I mean, when I was when I was going through the same thing, like it was before cell phones, too. And I don't even remember how I got in touch with anybody at that point. But it seemed to work out. Yeah, it always did. Yeah, that's killer, man. And so so you start playing guitar you start going going through the did you take lessons did you teach yourself i mostly took i mostly taught myself i mean i had a couple of friends who were much better than me they were kind of shred masters and and i just didn't have that skill set in me at all and and i ended up picking up a bass a rickenbacker bass and joined and the first bands i played in were all like i played bass in all of them and uh, i wrote songs on guitar 
and I would write songs for the bands, but then I would end up playing bass and singing. And so uh, Yob is the first band I played guitar in. Really? I did not know that. That's something I wouldn't have imagined. I mean, you've got such an interesting style. I mean, the 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 amount of power and and uh, I mean, it's just it's incredible. And and I mean, from the get go, I mean, that's surprising. I, that so bass seemed to inform a little bit more of your style as far as uh, your early expression, early bands, and then and then really took to uh, you know stepping out. Of, I, I would say stepping out of your comfort zone and playing guitar in the first band being Yob. Um, but did you feel comfortable? I mean, did it feel natural to you? Well, the style of music that I wanted to play, um, no one else was playing, and uh, at least not around me. And, you know, and I mean, I started out being just kind of more of a bar chord chucker, and, and I did all right with that and did some creative things and became a, a, a decent bass player. <laughs> was really into bass, but... I started working at a guitar shop where everybody there was was country pickers. Yeah, like you know Doc Doc Watson, Merle Travis, Chet Atkins, Jerry Reed, and, and uh, you know Reverend Gary Davis, and Sunhouse, and all you know all the country blues and, and swing. And so I started learning how to thumb pick and do Travis picking, and that's when my guitar playing started getting interesting, and not just you know kind of the stuff that I was doing beforehand and when I started getting my own style was actually from country, really. And uh, country in like Towns Van Zandt, you know, I got my first, one of the guys I worked with bought me a Towns Van Zandt CD for Christmas and then, then that was the lead salesman and then the owner bought me the, the uh, introducing Merle Travis and those two albums basically informed all of my guitar uh, kind of evolution from there and then at the same time you know sleep was happening and yeah and uh cathedral and, and you know i was really into fast music like speed metal grind death metal uh and crust and punk and you know still into like crossover but you know when i when i went and saw cathedral live in like 92 that really changed my world i started playing differently and then when i started learning country I just started worrying less about my left hand and more about my right hand and movable chords and where I could find notes and interesting melodies staying in a single position and using my right hand to find it. Mm -hmm. That's where a lot of my style comes from. Okay. And that's, so, I mean, that's, you had, you had a fairly clear vision then of what you wanted to do. And that, uh, what I'm gathering is a lot of that technique and, and, uh, influence to help you find, find your voice as far on the guitar, so to speak. Yeah, you know, I mean, I wasn't really, you know, it, it wasn't anything that I had really was, you know, I was just doing what felt good, and, mm -hmm. and there was no ambition, there was no ambition around it at all. You know, I wasn't trying to be, you know, I had no, no I had, at the time, very young twin babies, and I had no intention of being in a band that was going to be touring the world done whatsoever i was just going to play music that i liked and and uh you know it was going to be you know purely a hobby and i did the first demo with a high school friend because i couldn't find anyone else to play with me that would do what i wanted to do which was kind of cut from like early pentagram and holy mountain sleep and the first electric wizard just nobody was on board and that's so I just did it with a friend just to get the songs out. And that was our first demo. And then a 
band formed around that, and we started playing local shows, and, and it's just been this very slow progression. And uh, uh, but you know, there's never been like a there's never like a dream. You know, like someday I'm going to do X. You know, that was never really there, and it's only and it's just slowly grown. And and uh, you know, I mean, we definitely you know, now in you know, 2018, sure, you know, we definitely look at the future a bit and try to make solid plans and carefully weigh growth and make sure it's the kind of growth that we want. We're in a position that you know can be kind of idealized to people outside of our fold and think that we've worked really hard towards something to achieve something, but that's not really how it was um, for us. It was just more just making music that we loved and, and really just making sure that we loved it by ourselves and played shows and played, you know, took every opportunity to play with bands that we felt a kinship to and, and uh, bands that we revered when we got the opportunity. I mean, what band would turn down a show with High on Fire or with Plates yeah. of Skulls or, you know, <laughs> so... So we took those opportunities, but not with the idea of like some kind of hope, you know, there's some kind of stepping stone or something like that. It was just, but you know, but it was, but that wasn't our mindset. Sure. I understand that completely. And that seems why I think everything you're doing seems so genuine because it is, I mean, it's something where you're just, I mean, you're creating for the sole purpose of creating, not for, like you were saying, trying to, to jump into you know, I'm going to, uh, you know, five years old, I knew I was going to be in a rock band and, you know, just doing what naturally comes out. I think there's something definitely to be said for that. And it's something I don't hear very often. Um, I always hear like, yeah, we weren't trying to get anywhere, but it was something like they were, you know, trying to um, be in a be in a band, do the thing and trying to make ends meet, but not try to be huge, I guess is what I'm saying, versus what you're saying is is just did it to do it, you know, take that show with High on Fire, because who wouldn't, of course, not to get like, hey, guys, if we play with High on Fire, we're going to get to here. If we if we open for sleep, we're going to get to here. It's just a natural, you know, hey, well, of course we're going to do it. That's a really interesting take. Yeah, I mean, well, and the thing is, you know, I mean, I'm not knocking anybody's motivation. Sure. You know, there's a lot of different ways to do this thing, and and it's and it's not right or wrong any any approach and I respect anybody's approach and if somebody has a dream and and if that's to be on a big giant stage I mean you know the last thing that I'm going to say is that that's invalid you know it's valid sure. if that's what you want then you put your life energy towards it but you know I think for us you know even if we got that big opening slot at the end of the day really if it's going to mean anything it's on us the opening slot is not going to do it. The, the opportunity isn't going to do it. It's like if we don't have, you know, if we're making cookies and, you know, we get this rare opportunity to be at the county fair to display the cookies, if the cookies don't kick ass, then it doesn't matter that we got a spot at the table. You know, exactly. it's going to pale in comparison. So we have to just make sure to not put the cart before the horse and make sure the horse is healthy and as strong as possible. Exactly. Exactly. The opportunity is there. You just have to take it and make it the best you can. And and uh, well, we have to we have to be the best that we can. Yeah, exactly. It's not about making the opportunity the best. We have to be the best because you can have the opportunity, and, and if we're just okay, then we're the opening band. You know, it's, and and that's fine. You know, not everybody's. I think sometimes you know everybody's so arrival focused, um, and they forget that it's just it's a big process and not every 
everybody gets to do the thing. And that's not the point. You know, the point is, is if you're playing music and it's medicine for you and it's something that helps, that makes you feel good and that you're passionate about, that in itself is an achievement. That's an arrival. Yes. And, and if, it's, if it's really genuine within the people that are playing the music, then you can put that on a stage and that, that feeling is going to come off of that stage. And, uh, but maybe it won't, you know, maybe it won't get recognized at all. And, and yet at the same time, that's not a reason to not do it. You know, there's really good reasons to just play and enjoy it. And for what we're doing now, it would be really easy to think about, well, we want to tour again or we want to have things stay good and have that start to kind of creep into our musical, like, creation. And it's something that we're very aware of. And and our evolution is really has to be geared towards just kind of closing all the doors and shutting the windows and closing the blinds and and really just trying to put any kind of expectation inner or outer away and just just come up with the thing that we want to create next and there's no guarantee that anyone's going to like it or like it as much sure sure and that seems like a real challenge to be able to push aside those things that creep in once you have the business side and and uh your what you're doing is kind of um, gets to the point where it's supporting you, but it's also supporting other people. Um, you know, like I, I think Nate books you guys right with Nanoterra. Yeah, yeah. So I had him on the show. He's an old buddy of mine, and and you know, once you're what you're doing is starting to um, help support someone else's life too. It's I could see it being really hard to to turn that off and actually close the blinds and be able to really get that pure output, which seems like you guys are able to do. Um, and that's something that's. Well, just, Go ahead. I mean, it just depends. It just depends on what a person's setting their their goals towards, you know. And, and just our heroes, you know, bands like Neurosis, for example, um, you know, they have they have big, you know, a big sense of of something that they need to get out there and purge. But there's also like a, a communal family vibe to it, and and there's a real purity to that that is. Um, that's just, you know, what we resonate with. You know, I, I think, you know, Nick Cave has a similar approach and, um, you know, there's, there's certain kinds of performers where you see them and they're just really trying to work something out. And it's, it's not, it's more than being an entertainer. It's more than being seen. It's more than looking good. It's, you know, it, all those things may be there. But there's something else that actually is the lifeblood of the music, and that's the stuff that gets me excited. Okay, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, um, I mean, so you mentioned earlier, um, you, or you you had mentioned uh, if music is medicine for you, is it is music medicine for you? I mean, is it something that yeah. you couldn't do anything like you would always have to play music, regardless of what you could be uh, like? I'm a commercial plumber uh, for a day job, like. If you had a job, say, like that, would you still have to play music? Yeah, I mean, that was always true anyway. I mean, I've only played music, like, quote-unquote, professionally, and I say that with bunny rabbit ears um, in quotations because, you know, it's not exactly the greatest living as compared to being a commercial plumber. A commercial sure. plumber probably does much better. But, um, but, I mean, I've worked jobs pretty much my entire adult life and did this too. Um, 
But, you know, if for some reason, you know, I couldn't play music anymore, then the medicinal part would be listening, you know. Yeah. It would be, you know, be some other maybe kind of expression. Maybe I would dig more into my vocal side of it or, you know, or whatnot. But the, the medicinal part, part of it's in the creation and the expression for sure, but also it's, it's in listening and being a fan and, and being turned on by new music and, and uh, discovering music and whether it be older music that you never heard of or new bands are pushing to somewhere that just happens to resonate um, for, for myself. And that's part of the medicinal quality too. But it's, uh, yeah, I think the music, when you start getting into art, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of expression and this kind of, you know, artistic spirit or yearning. You know, it's like the, the medium's almost like a symptom of it, you know, so it could be painting or it could be, it could be writing, uh, you know, storytelling, uh, dance, you know, whatever it is. There's so many different ways to express it. And, you know, to me, it's all kind of cut from the same cloth when you're, when you're really getting into the nitty gritty of, of people that are, that have to do what they do. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think that. But I think that artistry exists in things outside of music and outside of art as well. Um, you know, that artistry can exist in kind of almost anything somebody does with their passion and they're bringing their whole self to it, you know, whether it be, you know, a surgeon or a commercial plumber or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, there's just, you know, when you meet people that are soulfully engaged with what they're doing, you know. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. There's craftsmanship everywhere. And I mean, it's, I, 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 yeah, it's a very broad brush when you're, I mean, how, how it comes out is how it comes out, I think is the, the deal. And, and, uh, for you, it seems to be music. Do you do art other than music? Or do you paint? Do you, do you write? I mean, um, do you have other facets other than music that you do to get your, your creation out? No, I'd like to, no, I, you know, to paint some. Sometimes I felt like maybe I'd want to try to do that. Um, but I haven't spent very much time with it. People that are uh, visual artists, uh, it's mystic sorcery to me, you know, how they're able to do the things that they do. And, and, uh, and in the various kinds of mediums, there's so many different ways of expression or sculpture, or, you know, throwing pottery, or uh, there's a lot of things that, that are pretty, you know, that I would be curious to do, but, um, you know, I, I, I do keep kind of returning to music, and when I'm not playing music, it's definitely more around, like, you know, I do write, I do write some poetry, but I don't really put it out there. Um, I thought about doing a book of it, but I'm not sure that I'm really that good. Um, I'm better at lyrics, I think, than actual straight-up poetry. Okay. But, uh, but uh, I don't know. I mean, Running to me is, is important, and meditation is important, and uh, reading is very important as well. As far as you know, finding kind of new wells and, and sources of not only inspiration but also kind of cleaning the slate and allowing new energy to come in. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. 
Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. PeerPleasure.SupportingCast.FM is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. 
Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So, so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month, because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. How long have you been meditating? Okay. And, and how long did it take you? I mean, is it something you're continuously, I mean, I'm sure you're continuously growing in it, but how long until it became effective for you? I mean, did you, did you, did it kind of right away you jumped in and were able to find uh, reward from that as far as, uh, or, you know, progress from that? Or did it take a while to get to where you could clean the slate and feel, feel clear? Well, it is effective for pretty much day one, but I think that there's, it took me a long time to realize that there's kind of a misnomer about meditation as far as like, sure, you can meditate, lower your blood pressure, relax, and kind of, you know, let things go for a minute. And, you know, meditation can happen. It doesn't necessarily just have to be on a meditation cushion. You know, mm-hmm. It could be a run or a, or a bicycle ride or or something like that. But, you know, that's one kind of meditation. But there's another kind that literally uproots your life. And then that's not necessarily peaceful at all. And, uh, and that's more like a, <clears throat> a, a, a spiritual path or a searching or a or just kind of smelling smelling the rat in the rat's nest that kind of doesn't understand why good things feel good and why bad things feel bad and how the person can can kind of inform either one of those things and also create conditions or causes for shitty things to happen and not being aware of their inner mechanisms and how it is that they're doing it and so that kind of meditation is about an unraveling, and that's not very comfortable at all. And uh, so, you know, I try to have a balance somewhere of both of those things, but I tend to lean towards the unraveling side of it. You tend to lean towards that uncomfortable side, you said? Mm-hmm. And why, why is that? Is that because you, is it, you get more from it, or is it something that, uh, I mean, it's just how you go? Well, I think that more that I understand how my own person can be a cause for my own suffering or even if things are good, I can still cause suffering or if things are bad. But if I have an open mind and an open heart in the situation, those situations could be transmuted into something 
else, or at least something can be weathered better uh, without causing more damage. And that being a place of co-creation versus being batted around by conditions and blame and victimhood and all these things that can happen. And, uh, you know, letting a world of ancestral knowledge and conditioning somehow, you know, and I have a bunch of thoughts going through your head and it's like a sushi island and all this stuff going by and you feel like you have to eat everything and you're eating stuff that you don't like and you're hoping something good will come along and that kind of hope is just a real futile situation mm-hmm. and, um, and it, it's not empowering um, at all. So understanding my inner mechanism and what makes me clutch onto certain things and run from other things and, and why that is actually helps me to make stronger choices. It helps me to be more grounded. It helps me to be less shaken by circumstances, or if I am shaken, um, I can recognize it and slowly work my way back to center. Okay. See, that makes that makes more sense. And, and I mean, d- dissecting yourself in such a way, I mean, did you go through, did you, I mean, I'm sure with what you mentioned about childhood and stuff, I mean, have you had battles with depression and things like that? Or is that something that, uh, you know, if you did, it came on later as you started digging through um through yourself as far as the meditation goes? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely I came to spiritual search with a very intense suffering. And uh, I think a lot of people do. They're just suffering so intensely and they just, I guess, be more to life than this. And, yeah. and so I think that is uh, very much, I think that brings a lot of people to the, to the, to the beginning of their search. But I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of very, very uh, intense work um, in unraveling and, and uh, kind of, uh, but the thing is, once, you know, once anybody, I think it's true, once they have a little bit of an opening and they see part of, like, the wizard behind the curtain a little bit, um, then at that point you're, you're screwed. There's no turning back. You're your host for the rest of your life. And even if you get lost and you get back into depression or alcoholism or whatever it is, you've seen a little bit of the mechanics and the, the kind of uh, architecture of yourself and maybe, you know, have a glimpse of where your knowledge and teaching maybe isn't absolute at all and in fact could be very very small sliver of something much more complex and grand than what we're taught that is absolutely fascinating mike i mean the the i've never heard uh, anyone talk about meditation in such a way or describe it um with that much, I mean, detail and, and I mean, it's almost, it's a little scary to, to think about opening yourself up that way, you know, like, and I don't mean to, to trivialize, trivialize it in any way. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm intrigued now to look towards this other side, because when you look at meditation with a big, broad brush, it's all about, you know, releasing the stress and, and finding peace but they don't talk about the other side like you're talking about. And you... Well, and, and med- there's certain kinds of meditation that 
are very much geared towards that. And it's all good. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just yeah. a matter of what, what the goal is. Yeah. And I think that, um, and certainly being able to sit for a minute and calm your mind and calm your breath. I mean, that has immense benefits, immense. And they're, it's valid. And tell, you know, so if, if most people could sit and do that even for a few minutes, not in some kind of hippie way, you know, just really sit and center and let go for a chunk of time and then return to a task, um, that can be immensely beneficial. And we do it anyway. You know, it's like people will use, use other things as like a meditation, but it's more of like a numbing, you know, so like, you know, video games or, or movies or, you know, which some of those things can also be very enriching and fun. And, and it's not a value judgment. It's just more, you know, when you understand what your motivations are, then you can either choose to be in that situation or not. But maybe it's not so much about numbing anymore. Maybe it's not so much about escape. Um, maybe a person can enjoy those things more because they're they're not like the dog isn't at their heels. You know, the dog is next to them, you know, and, and more like a companion versus uh, being something that can be haunting and, and kind of snarling at you if you're not feeding it. Yeah, that's man, that's fascinating. I, I my eyes are getting opened here to some new stuff. And this I love about this show is is. When we talk about things like this, like discovering things or different ways of looking at things that I never thought about before, and and this is definitely one of them. And well, let, let, let me say one. Let me say one thing. Sure. I, mean, I can talk about this stuff, and I'm pretty good about talking about it. But practice is practice, and that's exactly what it is. And, and that's different. You know, um, it doesn't mean that you know I mean, I'm not trying to you know talk down from some mountain or, or something like that. I mean, it's practice and. I have blind spots and I have, I find out all the time that like, Oh man, just when I thought I knew something, uh, I find out that I don't or that I I put my foot in my mouth or I lose my cool or whatever it is. It's just those, those things that happen. Some things just rock me for long periods of time. Just those periods of times are shortening, you know? And so when I, when I lose my center, it's just, it's not for as long as it used to be, but I haven't always lived well and I haven't always been kind and I haven't always been, um, the person that I want to be. And so, um, you know, I can't do anything about that other than just try to do better now. Yeah. And it's, it takes a lot to admit, even, I mean, basically human nature to admit fault or vulnerability or shortcomings at all. I mean, it seems like it's just natural to defend, 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 and try to put on a, you know, a good front or, or, or put on the best face or, you know, where you don't want to admit that you're vulnerable, admit that you can be hurt, admit that you have hurt others. I mean, that's a huge, uh, step in maturity and, and, and growth to admit that and, and work towards bettering that. Or like you said, making your, your hard time shorter or your, you know, when you lose your center, it's easier to get back to it now because of the practice and because of the discipline as far as uh working through those things i mean it's just it's fascinating we could talk we could probably go on for an hour and a half about or more on on the meditation well, piece any, you know? anything that i that i'm talking about has also been modeled to me by folks that know a lot more than i do and yeah. i'm just lucky to know a handful of people that are much further along and uh um and so it's you know it's it's just a, a work in progress, you know, and 
it's it's about the. I mean, I think that stuff seems you know like it's mystical or something because it's just maybe not everyday conversation, but you know, really, the fact that we look outside and see a tree and actually truly don't know what it is. That's an everyday experience, actually. You know, maybe because we carry around the name tree in our mind, we kind of forget, you know, that that's just a name. Yeah. And it's something we came up, it's something we came up with, but the actual phenomena, uh, we still don't understand what, why, what, how. You know, I mean, science can tell you one thing, religion can tell you another thing, philosophy can tell you another thing. And it's not that those things are bad, but it's just our dooku and gaga um, that also springs out of the same source that the tree does, and we don't understand that either. Yeah, that's it, and that's and, exactly and, what it is. And it doesn't seem like it would be anything very useful in the world except for all the creations that we take for granted or the kind of things we kill each other for. Yeah, yeah. And it's not and it's not stuff that existed, you know, a hundred thousand years ago. You know, it's our brains that created it. If all human beings just dropped off the planet right now and it was just the natural world, then all of our books and Democrat, Republican, this religion, that religion, whatever, would just either be food or not food. It's like we, we give it the juice. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's uh, what you're saying there too that's it's uh, our need to classify things too, and it's just like this. It's all that human nature. Like it seems like um, what you're saying with the with the tree analogy. They're like it's it, it's a tree because we say it is, but we don't know really what it is. It's what we've classified it as. There's a whole, well, and it's important. You know, there's things about it that are really important in being able to communicate and being able to have these creations. So I mean, it's. It's an important part of, I mean, it's, it's an inseparable part of evolution. I mean, it has to be. It's just, it's important also to know what it isn't. Yeah. You know, it's like that's, that's the other side of the coin that just gets kind of forgotten. We just get so lost in the creations. And, and, and that's and not the other side of it, which is, okay, well, we could create a lot of things. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of possibilities, you know, in the movement of the world going a certain direction can make a certain thing so, but that's all choice. You know, it's all individual choices uh, all put together. It's like a, a 10,000 acre fire is millions of individual trees and flames. You know? Yeah. We only talk about the, we only talk about the fire part, but it's like all these individual things to, that are just burning. And uh, so it's, you know, and so all I could, you know, all any I think any person can do is just individually take responsibility for their own water to burning ratio. <clears throat> yeah, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And I, I am, uh, you're an incredibly deep person, Mike. And I, I love that. I absolutely love that. I mean, speaking to a lot of musicians, not to be, you know, like broad with it, but speaking to a lot of musicians, I mean, there's not a lot of extremely like deep, thoughtful, uh, thought-provoking conversation that comes from that. Um, a lot of it's kind of surface, surface area, um, you know, basic things. And uh, I'm really enjoying how your mind is wor- how your mind works. I mean, you have a really good grasp on on uh, where you're at, where you're going, and where you've been, uh, but still have that that thirst and and hunger for 
digging deeper into that and and looking at things in a different way. Um, and for my listenership especially, I get the most uh, response from my listenership when we do get into more deep conversation such as this and new things and, and things that, you know, aren't the, you know, just off the surface kind of stuff. Um, and I see, I, I was excited to come into this interview because I don't know a lot about you. I know a lot about your music, but I don't know a lot about you. And, and this is exactly what I wanted to talk about was, was, you know, who you are as a person and kind of what brought you to creating the music that I enjoy. So, um, well, and maybe, maybe a balancing factor here is I, I know Parks and Recreation, all seven series, intimately, <laughs> um, <laughs> intimately, and, uh, and just listen, you know, stand-up comedy constantly, and um, and we joke around. Just we're so silly and, and ridiculous, like it's just constant jokes the most asinine everything um it's not it's just not you know it's not all philosophy talk all the time you know but i I, you know i just can't take you know i'm in a place where i just can't take my existence or anything that's being shoved in my face for granted i can't you know i just and so that's just a balancing factor and it helps me be sillier and dumber and and I, i can have more fun and situations that may not necessarily be fun or things are really really not fun at least have a some kind of center to deal with it and find it find the humor um in in the situation but um i don't know man you know it's just it takes takes all kinds of folks to make make things happen sure sure absolutely and in i mean everything serves a purpose and and um you know i want to you know, I don't want to take up a ton more of your time, Mike. I want to talk. I want to talk about the new record a little bit and what went into that. I I know, and you, and I don't want to trivialize this either. But I think, I know you went through an awful situation with your health. Um, I mean, I remember seeing the the posts online, the GoFundMe stuff. Like that. I mean, and that was really an amazing thing. Uh, what was done through that GoFundMe account and and people reaching out and and helping um but i'm sure you're tired as hell of talking about it and i know my listeners can easily go to rolling stone or anything else and look at look up that whole story i don't want to rehash that um but i think it did have a lot to do with um kind of the magnitude of this new record um i'm I'm sure it influenced the songs the process the fact that the record even came out uh and that you were able to make it I wanted to talk a little bit about that before we wrap things up um, and kind of if my listenership wants to go and, and read about the health stuff, um, you know, I don't want you have to rehash that. But um, can you talk a little bit about the new record and, and kind of where you were at when you when you came time to record and, and get that done? Well, I mean, I've been working on a couple of the ideas. I mean, the song The Screen has been around since like 2005. Really? Um, I've been working on that song for a very long time, and it just never found a home. Um, Yob back then jammed it a little bit. Midian jammed it a little bit. When Yob reformed, we started jamming that song too. But it just—it almost was on a number of records. And what's ironic is it actually informed other songs that were that came after it. But finally, on this album, for whatever reason, it just 
suddenly found its place. I'd never written lyrics before for the song until this actual collection of songs came together. But um, I was working on A Blaze and uh, Beauty and Falling Leaves um, before I got sick. And they weren't titled that at that time. I was just working on the musical ideas. And then I got sick. And I wasn't able to play guitar for six weeks. I was on a lot of heavy duty pain medication. Mm-hmm. I was under I was under anesthesia for about three times longer than I was supposed to be. Uh, and when I came out of all of that, I was just a little different. And and uh, my first thought was, oh my god, you know, what if I don't remember those ideas? And when I was able to finally start playing guitar again, I did remember all those ideas and they actually came into this kind of almost manic focus and it wasn't manic like I have to hurry and get all this done um, it was more just I was just really really inspired and and played the guitar as long as I physically could do it without doubling in pain or hurting myself mm-hmm. and and uh, Brent Monson, M-O-N-S-O-N, who sent, who, uh, whose guitars I've been using, he sent me a seven-pound guitar that was under my ten-pound guitar, my ten-pound weight limit, uh-huh. so that I could, so that I could work on music. And uh, and then I just started doing the framework for all the rest of the music. And and you know, at that time, I didn't know. You know, if any of my surgeries were going to work, or if I, you know, I got MRSA in the hospital after the second surgery, and I had just a lot of, you know, potentially dangerous things that were going on, and and so I just had to approach each writing session as a kind of an arrival because there was no guarantee that we were going to be able to record it. Mm-hmm. Um, my 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 midsection was just a, a collection of incisions and. And, and things taken out and reattached and, and scar tissue. And so I didn't know how, when I started to try to sing again, what my voice was going to do or if I was going to be able to sing as well. Um, I didn't know anything. And so I just had to work on it, and it, that had to be its own reward as like a, just a way to, to you know, because I just felt like I couldn't not do it, but there was no guarantee it was going to go anywhere. And so when we got to the place where, okay, cool, we are going to be able to work on music, and yes, I am going to be able to sing, um, we all got together just kind of feverishly demoing, working on the stuff together. We were happy and joking around a lot. Half of our jam sessions were just hanging out and talking and then demoing and taking these demos home and working and reworking until we got into the studio and and we had a, a pretty clear idea of what it was that we were doing. And uh, it was, you know, I think the hardest part was, you know, I was still working on getting my voice back right up until we entered the studio. And um, and there were some, and so as a result, I hadn't demoed out a lot of the vocal ideas for the album. And so, you know, five songs out of seven went down exactly how I had envisioned them more or less um, two of them perplexed me to no end and I had to read I had to go completely to the, the drawing board again and erase everything and start over and it was almost it 
almost felt like being like a stroke victim or something where like I could play the song, uh-huh. but but my body and my voice somehow didn't understand or connect to what I was doing musically. And I had to really take the part, the songs apart. And, and, uh, it was one of the weirdest experiences I've ever had in the studio. And they ended up being really, really fantastic. As good a performances as I've ever done, you know, that compares to anybody else, just myself. Sure. And, uh, but it was quite a road to get there. And, uh, but then when we did, I think we all walked out of the studio feeling like we we were actually happy with what we had done and uh, and happy with our time in the studio. And not that we have had any kind of real rough times in the studio, but, you know, I mean, it's a pressure cooker. It, it brings out the best and it brings out sometimes the worst. And, yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, it's kind of like tour in that regard. And, sure. um, but, but we really did have this workflow especially working with billy barnett and his stewardship too it really um culminated into what we released and uh, we're all in the music live we've been playing usually four cuts of the album live and then you know two or three older songs too and all of it together just works so well man and it, I mean that new record is is such an awesome gift to everybody and and I mean I I for one am really enjoying it and uh, was lucky enough to get an advanced uh, holics through Monica and be able to hear it a little bit early and, and really sit with it and and uh, before we we talk today and and uh, I mean it's been just a uh, an awesome awesome experience listen that after you know reading up on you know seeing all the coverage on what you went through and before that and and uh i mean just just a massive massive record like like i expect from yob like it's something that was just i mean crushing and beautiful and uh i mean i really enjoy what you do mike and and uh you know it's uh it's a real pleasure to to speak to you and and you know just get to chat you know with someone that's created things that i've listened to for for years and years and years um and so i mean before we wrap up here what's next for y'all uh, the rest of this year uh we have a west coast tour with acid king and church in september okay and then we're going then we're going to europe in uh october and part of november and uh then we come back home and uh we're doing a very short uh December run that will culminate in uh, the, um, the LA Beer and Metal Fest down there okay. uh, for the death school is putting on. And, uh, but I mean, my mind really right now is set towards writing another job record and, and finishing up solo music that I've been working on for a while and, and recording some solo, uh, my second solo album. And, uh, and I actually have a, a number of kind of other projects that are all in the works too so it's it's, it's busy times and, and uh, I think we're all you know I don't think it'll be four years before another Yob album comes out I'm pretty pretty bent on working out some ideas and usually what takes so long is just finding that kind of that, that inner quickening where you know that there's just no stopping it you gotta see it through yeah um, well, you know, I, I'm just feeling that a lot earlier um, than I have in a while. And we used to put out albums a lot more in succession and quicker. 
and then there came a period of time where it was like every four years and we won't put out anything before it's time so i'm not you know maybe it will be four years i don't know maybe it'll be eight years but you know it, <laughs> I, but i do feel like um some new stuff is going to be in the works and and so we're going to be trying to balance all that with whatever we're going to do next year and and uh but we're all feeling focused and and uh, grateful and, um, and being able to go out. And, you know, so many people helped us and helped me along the way. And to be able to share the new music and be in the same rooms with people that did that is, is an honor and something that uh, um, we're really grateful to be able to do. Man, it's a beautiful thing, man. And, and I, like I said before, I mean, I appreciate everything you've done. And, and uh, I mean, the effect your music's had on me and got me through things and helped me, you know, get to that headspace uh, where I feel comfortable and, and what I'm enjoying. And, and uh, I mean, what you've done is just a, a massive, amazing body of work. And it's been a pleasure to talk to you, Mike. And, and uh, I'm going to let you go and get back to your uh, your time in Salt Lake there. And, and uh, you know, I look forward to hopefully meeting you sometime at a, at a job show here in Portland. But um, thank you so much for taking the time. You're very welcome, dude. Good stock, man. All right, Mike. Take care. Take good care. Travel safe. You too. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Mike Scheidt from Yob. Big thanks to Monica, Samantha, Aaron Edge uh, for all you've done for the show and for getting me into this kind of music. Um, Yob, like I said, is a great band. Our Raw Heart is the new album. Check them out. They're on all the socials. They're touring the world right now. Um, you're going to really enjoy it. So uh, check out Sticker Ninja. Uh, StickerNinjaPDX.com. Check out Rockabilia.com. Rockabilia has been supporting the show for a long time as well. Uh, for your holiday items, over 500,000 items available for you to purchase. PC Jabberjaws, the code, gets you 15% off your order. Check them out. Um, and like I say, I really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. Uh, even if there's not an episode, listening to the older episodes, um, getting a lot of good feedback on that. So really appreciate you guys. Um, and, you know, I can't say that enough. Check out purepleasure.bigcartel.com for stickers, t-shirts, all that goodness. Um, and definitely, we got some sticker packs on there too. So we're going to be doing some scavenger hunt type stuff on Instagram. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Um, and if you want to you know, just support the show, tell a friend, you know, uh, pass along an episode to someone, share an episode to somebody. Uh, really appreciate you guys growing the show. The numbers keep getting bigger. Um, and it's just really cool to watch it grow into something great. So... Uh, once again, thank you guys so much for listening. Check out Our Raw Heart from Yob. Uh, Mike Scheidt was a great guest, and uh, we got more good stuff coming up for you this month. So uh, happy holidays, and we will see you on the radio.
Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talk to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.